it's a mental shift. It's a perspective change. It's, it's all cerebral. It's nothing like losing your job is not anything that really happened physically. Right. Somebody told you something, you internalized it. What are you going to do with that mental process now? Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Virginia, we are live. Hey, Al. So letting go. A lot of these posts go across the same kind of subject matter. Yeah. An author who's not with us anymore, his name is David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to this guy for a long time. He wrote a book called Power Versus Force. That's when I was first introduced to him. The book that I love that I've listened to five times over is called Letting Go. Okay. You know, just like the title about surrendering. Right. You know, letting go of the past, letting go of things, dropping the rope like we have from one of our previous posts. Mm-hmm. The idea that holding on to pain doesn't fix anything. Right. Like holding on to like a lot of what we hold on to just doesn't help us in any way. Right. But we hold on to it for dear life. One of the quotes that I really want to focus on is when he talks about relationships. So he says in your life, relationships you thought that you would have are going to be different than the ones you actually have. Mm-hmm. The idea that like when you think in your mind of like your futures, think about like you know, 10 years from now, right? you're going to be in maybe a different house and you're going to have a certain set of friends, but they're going to be better friends, like people <laughs> that you connect with even better than you do now. And your kids are going to be grown up and they're going to have jobs and they're going to be well-adjusted and happy. And right. But guess what? It's not going to play <laughs> out that way. Right. <laughs> it might have some like, you know, semblance of that or right. some kind of... But it's definitely not going to be the way we picture it in our head. I think we almost romanticize it. That's a great term for that. Yeah, like romanticizing the future, like what you want your life to become or what you expect those relationships to be. Yeah. That is a perfect word for that, romanticizing. And I always think like the relationships you thought you'd have, like Mm -hmm. they're never the ones you have. (laughs) They're different. It doesn't make them worse. It's just... It doesn't play out the way you want. Right. And that could be a friend relationship, a romantic relationship, a mentor relationship. It could be anything. Family. Yep. Absolutely. And the whole idea behind that, of course, is you can't control what others do, the actions of others. Mm -hmm. You can't control their actions. So in your mind, everything is a certain way and they're reacting to you in a certain way. And you have all these intimate, close connections that are always loyal and like just so strong. Right. And maybe you have some of those and maybe, but it just never really plays out the same way as your imagination. Right. So I thought that's a good thing to be aware of. 
That is. And sometimes you might feel really invested in a relationship and you're gung-ho about it and you're going to call him back every time mm-hmm. and text every time and be there every time. But the other person on the other side of that relationship might not be as invested as you are. Right. So that's going to have an effect on how strong that relationship is. And like you said, you can't control that person's reactions, that person's contribution to that relationship, maybe more or less than what you expected. You can't control that. And so David Hawkins talks about letting go of the expectation that you have on other people in that context. Mm. So for instance, like you said, like you're going to call them every day. You're going to make sure you return their calls. You're going to send them a Christmas card. You're going to be open and listen to them and look them in the eye, like really try to connect. Yeah. But they may not reciprocate. And so the idea of letting go is letting go of the idea that they need to do the same thing back to you. They don't. Right. And they probably, they may not. And they might not even be aware of that. Like just because that's your perception of how to engage and create a strong relationship doesn't mean that they are even aware of any of those things. Right. That's not even in their sphere of thought, right? (laughs) Right. They're not even conscious of that. That's all going on in our head. Right. David Hawkins talks about a lot of cool stuff in this. So I'll just go through like a bunch of different things that they kind of interrelate. You obviously can't control the actions of others. He also talks about like worrying. The only thing you should ever really worry about is what you think about yourself. Mm. You shouldn't be thinking about what others think about you. That's just an endless loop of pain and disappointment. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's a big concept. Gosh, I mean, we kind of touched on this last episode, you know, what car you drive or what your house looks like mm-hmm. or where you live. And you're everybody's so worried about what everyone else is thinking about them. Yeah. If you just forget all that and just worry about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing, and you release all of that external pressure. Yeah. I think you would be a lot happier. And these are all concepts that we that make a lot of sense. I mean, people hear right. this, they're like, yes, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'd be so much happier if I did yes. that. But like in reality, it's very difficult to do because we're social beings. We're always feeding off of how people are reacting to us and mm-hmm. our interactions. And so when we talk about like talking to like our former self, like 10 years ago, right? Like you just want to like kind of shake them and be like, don't worry about all that crap. Like, like right. you were mentioning to me before we recorded being in corporate America and just like the environment and yes, uh, just all the judgment and the stacking up and the competitiveness and all these things that mean zero today. Right. So 10 years later, most of them aren't in your life. Like you mentioned, even if they were in your life, it still wouldn't matter. Mm -mm. But when you were in it, it seems so all important and like all encompassing. Right. It seemed so important what you wore, what you drove, which office you had, whether you had a window or not, you know, everything was like this chess game, a ridiculous, almost unwinnable chess game. Yeah. There was so much pressure. I I was telling you even just about what you ate for lunch or whether you went out or not, or there were so many variables that you couldn't control. You could not have possibly willed them into a better scenario. There's so much pressure there. And then, yeah, all these years later, none of that matters. I don't even talk to most of those people. 
I just feel like I'm a completely different person. But in that moment, at that time, it was one of the most important things just to maintain that image or that position or that hierarchical situation, whatever it was. Yeah, it seems so important, you know, when it was happening. I think about like a life, like one of those lifetime family, like movies where like the parent is sitting down with like the 16 year old girl who just got her heart broken by some jerk boyfriend. And she's like, listen, it's not going to mean anything in five years, you know, but like in that moment, the 16 year old's heartbroken. Yes. And the parent knows that like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like this, you're never going to remember this. Maybe you'll remember him, but like, it it means nothing. Right. You're going to have like five other boyfriends. You're going to find the person that you really want to be with. Right. But the kid at that moment is like, you don't understand. (laughs) Right. So I think of it in the context of with yourself, like you have to like see both sides, the parent and the child, right? Mm Because you're the child feeling it. You also got to get the perspective of the parent. Like the parent's like, but now you got to be your own parent and child. Right. So if you can kind of not distract yourself, but get some other perspective Mm -hmm. as the parent when you're in these corporate settings, whatever it is, family situations. Yeah, it could be anything. Where you're feeling judged, where you're feeling competitive, where you're feeling Mm -hmm. you need to like stack up, just getting that perspective. Like most of this crap doesn't mean anything. Right. It's just where your head is at right now. It doesn't, in the scheme of your life, mean anything. Well, and even now, like I've had that thought very consciously about myself or my life, or I've even told my kids that like what so-and-so thinks does not matter. But I don't know if anyone told me that when I was young or if they did, clearly I didn't hear it. Right There again, that goes back to sometimes we're ready for information. Sometimes we aren't, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anyone flat out told me, hey, what they think doesn't matter. Mm. I don't think someone told me what they thought does matter. But I'm not sure that I got that information when I was young. That's interesting because I did. Hmm. My parents like blatantly would say, you know, because I'd come home. Yeah, I remember hearing that often as a kid. Like, But it it came off in a way that didn't mean anything to me. It wasn't like an epiphany or that made me feel better. Right. Anything kind of made me feel worse. Right. I was like, what do you care about? You know, what do you care what Joey thinks about your clothes? Or I don't know what it was. But they'd always kind of like preface it like, stop doing that. You know, that's ridiculous. And at that point, it's easy to take as a diminishing of your feelings instead of them trying to give you good advice. That's very true. That's where, I don't know, maybe I was told that, but I don't remember it. So clearly, I didn't absorb it and take it in and apply it. Yeah, it didn't really sink in. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There's a quote from Carl Jung who talks about... I'm not what happened to me. I'm what I choose to become. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a cool quote. I mean, it seems, sounds, again, cliche. Yeah. You're not the victim, you know, of your life. You know, you get to choose how you react to things. Right. But it is kind of like the idea that it doesn't have to go down the whole path of trauma where you're the victim. Right. It could be anything. Like, what if you got let go from a job? Right. You're Does that not... make you a loser, a bad person, a, exactly. a worthless father? You know, like, I mean, people do that to themselves. People will internalize that and go completely downhill instead of 
somehow being able to maintain positivity and go ahead and apply for three new jobs that same day. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this stuff is just more of a, um, it's a mental shift. It's a perspective change. It's, it's all cerebral. It's nothing like losing your job is not anything that really happened physically. Right. Somebody told you something, you internalized it. What are you going to do with that mental process now? Yeah. It can go down the hole of being depressed and not doing anything. Well, and it could really just be something from the corporate level that they don't have space for that position anymore, but you've internalized it like, I'm terrible at my job. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. What am I going to do? We're going to starve. Like I can't provide. Right. Nobody's going to want me. Yeah. You can just go down a rabbit hole instead of realizing that that was their choice. You happen to be there. (laughs) So of course- You can move on. Yeah. The whole idea of this letting go kind of statement is more of like, I see it as like this nonchalance about everything in life. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you can take it or leave it on everything. You know, you don't have like these overwhelming desires to get certain things. If you get them, great. If not, that's okay too. Like same thing with relationships. If so and so likes me, great. If they don't, who cares? Who gives a shit? I'll go to somebody else that does like me. Right. And so it's like this overall just sort of just dropping all the expectation, dropping all of the wanting and desiring and needing and like kind of clenching, like this clenching of outcomes. Mm -hmm. You have no control over the outcomes. I can remember multiple instances in, in life where I've met someone that seems to be very nonchalant about things. And not that they really don't care. Because they do care, but they just have this air about them where they're able to be so easygoing. And like you were saying, like, oh, you mm-hmm. don't want to be my friend? Okay, I'm going to find another friend. <laughs> it makes you think back to like middle yeah. school or something even just with that example. But anytime I've met someone with that characteristic, it's attractive. It's interesting. It's like I almost admire them for being that cool <laughs> that, yeah. about things. So I've definitely never been that easygoing, but it is a quality that I admire. Well, it's funny because you say, I I look at you as very nonchalant and kind of calm, cool, collected, (laughs) you know? And so I think a lot of this comes down to perception. Like what you saw in that person, maybe that person wasn't feeling that at all. Like maybe that person was like very self-conscious or... That's true. You know what I mean? It's hard to know. I always talk about this with Shelby. Because a lot of times it's very easy to think that like other people are happier than you. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people do that. Like, why am I not happy? Everybody else seems to be so happy around me. And right. I try to tell, at least we had this conversation today. So that's why it's coming up. Yeah. I was telling her, I'm like, you're just not happy right in this moment. You're going through like an emotional thing right now. Right. 15 minutes, you might feel different or maybe it'll take two hours. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens when you get in these like emotional states you sort of think your whole world is that way sometimes and you catastrophize the whole thing. Right. Instead of just realizing, like, I'm just not feeling, I'm feeling a little down right now and something happens. 
I'll feel different in an hour or like maybe even tomorrow morning. And right. it's not, I'm not an unhappy person. I'm just not feeling particularly happy right now. Right. There's many reasons right now to feel that way. I think we've all kind of experienced an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But what triggers me with you saying that is that idea of the accumulation of Mm -hmm. feelings and thoughts. What, What did he say about that? He said accumulated pressure of feelings is what causes thought. So it's almost like, um, I always think of like a tea kettle, like Mm -hmm. the accumulated pressure. You know, it's boiling. Like you have all these feelings, these underlying feelings that don't go away. Yeah, You're oppressing them. You're pushing them down. You're avoiding them. You're masking them. And then they build and they build and they build. And then once they get to like, you know, a pressure point, then thoughts start coming out of like, I'm feeling this way because... Uh, I'm not good enough, and because of this, and now I'm an unhappy person. I don't know why I'm mm-hmm. depressed, and, and then I should have done thought, that, and I should have done this, and so and so shouldn't have said that. And try to explain it away, right? Yes. Instead of just feeling the feelings and letting them go, right? I think that again, natural thing. We all do these things. Yeah, and I think, like you said, recognizing, okay, I'm going through an emotional thing. These are all the triggers that are happening. Mm-hmm. Everything has a season is something that I've started to tell myself often is just that, you know, this is just a tough season. It might be different in a week, two weeks, a month, whatever. Yep. The same way that the leaves are going to change color. This is a season. I'm going to just do my best to like, let it roll. I was going through something like that the other day. And I told my husband, thanks for just listening. Like, I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to listen. And I just need to like express this. And it's going to be fine tomorrow. <laughs> that's a that's such a common thing that women tell men. Like, stop. Do you don't need to fix anything. Don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we immediately want to get into like, do this, do this. Or how about this? Or how about you? Yes. Yeah, just listen. And I've already thought about all those scenarios. So don't tell them <laughs> to me. <laughs> right. But just, this is how I'm feeling. And I need you to know this. And... I'll be fine. Right. Just to listen and nod (laughs) and don't let words come out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's that accumulation of everything that happened since the spring, since school got shut down or since the pandemic or whatever is going on in your life is like accumulating and you reach these little mini boiling points where you... You know, you're the tea kettle and you sputter for a bit and then you calm back down. Yes. And that's like, like you're, you're <laughs> describing more like that kind of macro, like over like a month of time, like what's happening in our environment now. Yeah. Like on, on the micro on that, like on a daily basis, the way we got into this conversation was she had, you know, a difficult phone call for work. Yes. She didn't get a good night's sleep. She felt sick this morning. Dog pooped on the floor in the house. <laughs> yes. She's like, it's like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. One, two, three of those things could happen. I'm fine. But when five or six of them happen. Yeah. Then I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) Yeah. Your water boils quick. Right. (laughs) And this. Right. Right. But it could also happen the way you're talking from April until now it's been boiling. Yes. And there again, it's like, if we could just let go of all those little things as Mm -hmm. they happen. That sounds like it's so easy to do, but it's yeah. not. And they do accumulate like, okay, you pick up the dog poop, you do this, you do, you know, you handle the phone call, you take right. care of it. But that feeling or those emotions still stay with you, even though you handled the situation physically, it's over. Yeah. But that 
it could be inner turmoil or whatever is still with you and it's going to carry on to the next thing. Yeah. You need like that release valve on the bottom, right? You're so contained that every time it comes out, it's because it's bubbling over the top and that's not a healthy way to do it. You need like to drop the bottom out from it. It's like the letting go is like sort of, he talks about surrender, but he also talks about not modifying Mm -hmm. what you're feeling. We're always trying to modify everything. Like that shouldn't have happened that way. Why is this happening? Mm. You know, why could it be different? Why is it raining today? It should have been sunny today. Right. You can't modify. Or worse, like I needed it to be sunny today. Yes. I needed this to happen. I needed that Amazon package on time or whatever it is. Oh. Yeah. That's hard to do. Real hard to do. Mm -hmm. And so there's the quote from, I want to bring up from the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama, bringing up Dalai Lama quotes. But this one is really good. It just really hit home to me. He says, inner disarmament first, then outer disarmament. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of relates to what's happening in our country in a way. Right. Because like we all have these inner like shells, like these hard shells. Like we believe what we believe and nobody can question what we believe. And no, I don't want any conflict. No, you're wrong and I'm right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's protected. And like, when I always think of the Dalai Lama, I always think of like a guy that's completely open. So peaceful. Mm-hmm. Peaceful. And like, will listen to any side of any political group and the left, the right, like he's open. He's just completely open and he's not taking it personally. He's not trying to modify what you're trying to say. Right. He doesn't have this hell bent death grip on what he believes and what he, you know, he doesn't have these hard opinions and... Everything that we're holding on to, it's, that's what's creating the problem. Right. So we're trying to fix the outside while we have this like shell and this protective hard armor on the inside and the armor surrounding our beliefs and our egos and our expectations. Well, and if you're having some kind of conflict going on internally or in your life, you're not going to be the best person to help someone else handle a conflict in their life. Absolutely. Because you're going to carry your baggage forward into their situation and say, oh, because this happened to me, then you know this is how you should handle that situation. And it may not be the best advice. We have to break down those walls ourselves and be, I want to say find peace, but maybe just find calm and be able to try to let some of this stuff go within ourselves before we could ever try to help anyone else diffuse any kind of other situation. Mm -hmm. Think about it like with kids. Easy example. If you're having a rough day as a parent and then your kid's experiencing something, it is twice as hard to handle that kid's situation with a cool head. Because you already had a rough day. Yep. I mean, that can translate into anything, into friendships, into romantic relationships, work situations. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like putting barriers between these different situations or relationships. It's letting go of those feelings that you're having, Mm -hmm. letting go of that control about whatever situation before you take it to another just another situation. Yeah, it's going to roll over into something else. Mm-hmm. It just spills over into other areas of your life. Well, it's the idea of like the level of consciousness that you're at. 
is going to spill over into the collective consciousness. I know this sounds kind of woo-woo, but it makes a lot of sense to me. No, I like that. No, keep going. So your consciousness, whatever level it's at, this is for better or for worse too. So if you're at like a low level of consciousness, meaning the things we're talking about, you're in that corporate America environment, you're just all tense and tight, you're not listening to people, you're competitive, you're all these things. That brings the collective consciousness down a little bit. You're not contributing to the well-being of like the collective. Yeah, because you're all in your own head. You're worried about what you're wearing and what you're doing and what they're thinking about you. That's right. So if you yeah. so think of it like in the idea of the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama walks into a room, the collective consciousness goes up because like he's so peaceful and so open. Everybody feels better around him because like his energy is just at a higher level. And so I think about that a lot. Like what you just said with your kids, they, I mean, it's so weird. It, it happens with like animals, happens with kids, it happens with people. Mm-hmm. People f- pick up on your energies. Like if you walk into a room and you're just like agitated, everybody feels it. Yeah. People can tell right away. And there yeah. are more empaths than what we realize in the world. Yeah. I mean, even like a dog, like a calm person walks into a room, a dog like usually comes right up to him. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's tense and like on edge, like they're a little bit more skittish or, you know, they could read that. Right. So I, I totally think of the whole consciousness level when it comes to letting go. Like when you're letting go and you're open and you're surrendered, when you don't have anything to like really fight for, mm-hmm. you don't have to fight for your opinions. You don't have to fight for your point of view. Right. Like I think of the Dalai Lama sitting in on some political debate and just like like kind of scratching his chin, <laughs> like what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like these two sides just butting heads. Mm-hmm. And we're against each other. And I kind of feel the same way. And it's like when I get into any kind of debates with friends, I almost feel like I have to pick a side or pick a view. Right. It's hard for me like to tell them, like, I don't really have an opinion on this. Like, right. I don't know all the facts. And I don't necessarily care, to be honest. Right. It doesn't interest me. And so many people view that like a win, like if they can convince you, like as if they have to get you to pick this side or that side. And if they can convince you to agree with them, then they are right. And it affirms their beliefs and they don't even realize they're doing it sometimes, but that's natural for a lot of people to have an opinion about one thing or another and get into a debate about it and feel like they need to convince you to come to their side. Yeah. And if you don't buy in, they get mad sometimes, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Depending on the friend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they definitely get mad if like you have a conflicting view. Like, nope. Yeah. I believe the other side of that argument. Like, what? (laughs) Trump Biden, you know, come on. Well, and how lucky someone is to be able to have friends surround them who are also open-minded that you can Mm -hmm. just share opinions openly and no one's trying to convince the other person that they're both just both parties have just let go and they're open to Mm -hmm. all the ideas yeah so i think you've mentioned you have a couple friends like that i do some of them like are definitely more opinionated they're open-minded but they are opinionated at the same time (laughs) And then some friends like don't want to have the conversation at all. And I'm cool with that too. Mm-mm. I don't necessarily want to have any type of political conversations. And Right. Yeah. You just got to like choose your audience, figure out what you want to talk about. 
does he tell us like a good practice on how to let go or how to, do you want to go into that? Cause that's where I'm interested. Yeah. So one of the practices that David Hawkins talks about, and a lot of these practices are more concepts. They're not concrete. Like it's not like doing an exercise Okay. because we're talking about feelings, emotions. Mm-hmm. He tries to say that like, you want to sit with like, when something emotional comes up, Mm-hmm. Letting go is basically sitting with that. So for instance, if it's a belief that I'm not a good father, I don't know, whatever the whatever belief, questioning it, like, is that true? No, not really. It's not mm-hmm. really true. I just, for whatever reason, I'm saying that to myself. I don't really believe that. Right. So it's kind of questioning certain beliefs and sitting with tough emotions. And the idea is the longer, you, if you can sit with tough emotions, they'll eventually run their course. Mm. And then... He talks about not needing to add positive emotions by eliminating negative emotions. Okay. Positive just comes from the absence of the negative. Okay. It's like a vacuum. So he's not saying negative emotions don't arise. He's just saying that if you repress them, if you distract yourself from them, if you're constantly just like sort of fending them off. They're still going to be there. They never go away. So he's saying you got to sit with them and you can't modify them. Like you can't try to like change them. Like you can't make believe they're not there. They're there. So you have to like accept them, surrender to them, don't modify them, let them run their course. Okay. So it's almost like you have to do your own kind of, you have to pick something like in in your mind, whatever it is. Like for instance, we talked last week or the week before about your dad, talked about my uncle. Mm -hmm. Pick that, pick a scenario in your head. Like, so I had this interaction with my uncle where he yelled at me on the phone, screaming at me at the top of his voice. Sit in that. Okay. Why did he do that? Well, because he's kind of a miserable person and had nothing really to do with me. Right. What I would have done in the past is just get that son of a bitch, you know, like super angry. Just get angry. You get welled up. And then like maybe it'll subside, but it never went away. Right. Because you never really thought the whole thing through. You never really just let it go. Like let it dissolve. The difference of reacting in the moment versus sitting with it for a longer period of time and really wading through all of those emotions and feelings yeah, that came from it. Okay. Yeah, because I think the more you sit with it, eventually what David Hawkins says is they'll be gone. They will be gone eventually. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you continually sit with them, you, know, you will have reactions. Like you will revert. I think one of the ideas that he also talks about is your ego is such like a demanding and such a tough nut to crack. Okay. It's always going to try to draw you back in. Okay. You really got to look at all the dirt you've already shoveled over, you know, over your back. Like you've done a lot of work and you've progressed a right. long way, but your ego will always tell you you haven't done anything. You haven't gotten over this. Mm. You're you're a small person. You're never going to get past all this. You're never going to be able to let go. You're never going to be able to surrender to things. Right. Well, and I especially like the question that you asked, is that true? Mhm. When you say, I'm a bad father, I'm this, I'm that, like whatever the feeling is for you to be like, wait a minute, is that true? Yeah. You know, where's the support that says that that's true? And where are the things that show me that that's a false statement? Right. Yeah, I like that. Well, I think it comes from the fact that we think that thoughts are real, like, or (laughs) that thoughts are true. Like all our (laughs) thoughts are true. Just because you had a thought doesn't make it true, right? Right. But I think the repetition of thinking, 
know, if you're walking around saying I'm not a good father, I'm not, or I'm not a good provider, I'm not a good husband or whatever. Right. And you start to believe those things. It doesn't make them true. It just means you've thought about them repetitively and now you believe them. Well, and how much of a chance is there that if you've said that to yourself over and over and over, that you're subconsciously doing things that might mm. make it pan out even more so to seem true, mm-hmm. even though it wouldn't have been. Kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Yeah. And you got to think of the how, how long of a period of time have you been doing this? So to think right. like this whole letting go process or surrendering it's going to take time. Like you're rewiring years of repetition. And I heard one author talk about it, like scratching a record, like your record is like, it's inlaid into this vinyl album, right? Like you got to scratch that record so many times so that it doesn't play that same song again. Mm. You scratch it once, it'll just skip a little beat and it'll keep playing. Scratch it a million times, it won't even sound like the song. Right. I like that kind of metaphor for it where mm-hmm. you're just scratching that memory so many times that it's not existent anymore. Because hmm. you've already worked through it. You've already let that go. Hmm. But again, repetition on the other side. You've had all the repetition on the front side of this. Mm-hmm. Now on the back side to get rid of it, it's going to take repetition too. Yeah. No, I like that. But I like what you ask when you ask for like a concrete exercise because I'm always looking for those. Right. I'm like, okay, what's the solution? <laughs> it's really hard in like the mental realm to like get something that concrete because it's it's all subjective, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell. Well, just the little bit that I got into this book and I do this with lots of books is like you read a page or a chapter or something and you're like, okay, I need to put this down. I need to sit with this. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, so then meditation and yoga, which I know you're big fans of those things. Yeah. That's what comes to mind for me, but I know that's not something that everyone does. Right. But even before I was even into yoga or meditation or anything, even just like a simple walk or a run, Mm -hmm. of course, I love to listen to podcasts and stuff while I do that, but sometimes I just need peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. And I will be that weirdo that's running with nothing in my ears, just so that I can think, just so that I can process some of these thoughts, you know, whether it be about a book or something or about something I'm going through. But that's how I've been able to process some stuff is not putting in the earbuds and going for a run and processing it that way. So that's a different kind of meditation, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I think you know, because they say like your subconscious is working in the background. Mm-hmm. So like you're solving problems when you're quiet in your minds. You're not consciously solving them, but it's happening in the background when you go for that run or walk. Mm-hmm. That's why you come up with ideas or you come up with solutions to things. Yes. You know, out of nowhere because you let your mind settle, you know, you're not constantly inputting. Yeah. And your body's busy. So it kind of allows that subconscious to come alive during that time. Totally. But that's what came to mind for me. So that's where I was thinking, okay, does he say anything in the book? Did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> What's he say to do? <laughs> I know. And I, this definitely isn't like a thorough book report because like, right. it's just things I remember from the book, but always the concepts always made sense. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to that whole idea of meditation. Meditation is something everybody knows they should do, but nobody does. That's like one of the... <laughs> well, that's the struggle with it, right? Because you constantly feel like 
I should be going, I should be doing, I should be producing. There's no way that I don't I should have time just for be, that. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to just sit still and even harder to sit still in silence and yes. focus on that quiet space. That's very challenging. Because your monkey brain just gets out of control. Like, you're, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? You can't just be sitting here. You got things to do. You go, oh, right. yeah, to-do list, go, 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 go. Exactly. Yeah. So difficult. I think that's why me and you, I think a lot of people can relate more to working out, running, because at least it's giving your body something to do. And it's like almost a distraction. Mm -hmm. Sitting there quiet and still really gets your mind like popping as far as like just internalizing, at least if you're doing something. Yes. Your body's busy. So you feel productive. (laughs) Right. Versus sitting, you know, cross-legged on the floor. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that a crazy thing? That's so accurate though. You're busy being productive. Like, so your mind's okay with that. (laughs) But if you're sitting there like a lump, then... Again, I think it goes back to another one of your prior ones. It's just the the American way, the Western way, the Eastern Western... Dichotomy, yeah. Yeah. Right. It is like you can't, you got to be human doings, not human beings. Right? Big time. Well, that was fun, Al. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening and follow us at faconfessions.com. Please like, subscribe, and share and leave us a five star review because that helps other people and listeners find us. Mm-hmm. Next week, Virginia, we're going to be talking about questioning our assumptions. Mm. (laughs) Oh, what a novel idea, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, questioning our assumptions. Well, I think we go through life making assumptions constantly Mm -hmm. without even realizing it. And then we get frustrated when they don't pan out. Yes. And so it's that element of feeling like we need to control things. Yeah, I think, and we're in an environment now where there's so much conflicting information with this, you know, coronavirus, this Mm COVID-19. And so we assume something to be true. And then two days later, we can be told, nope, that wasn't right. It's completely different. It's opposite. Right. You really got to be open to, it goes with everything. I mean, as soon as you get this iron grip on your assumption... You're not open. Even just a simple assumption of how your day would go. Yeah. If you have these certain calls lined up and you feel like you've planned your day well and you throw one wrench in the system and messes up things and then you're pissed. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. I had five phone calls to make, but then I got a phone call from the school and I got to go pick up. So, you know, and it's like, what, what, what just happens? Yes. Throws off your whole day. And then are you in a bad mood? Or are you going to let it go? Yeah, are you going to let it go? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could just have that be like a mantra, just in every moment of your life, just be like, let it go. Just let it. It doesn't mean right. as much as you think it means. It really doesn't. There's nothing that big. Yep. And now I'm going to be singing the Frozen Let It Go song all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was thinking before we recorded yeah, I was thinking about that Let It Go. Like, wow, that's a pretty... Uh, pretty good song. Pretty, yeah, really philosophical uh, cartoon there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right, gang, we'll see you all next yep. week. See you next week. 